Hey, what's up, guys? Greatest show on dirt. Coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. I'm your host, Quentin. It's Sunday night, August 16th. Actually didn't record last weekend. My wife, my daughter, and myself went to Tybee Island in Georgia, just uh, like in, or just outside of Savannah, and it was a good time. I hadn't been to the beach in a really long time, and it was good to get out, do all this COVID quarantine stuff, and... You know, I didn't drown, which is a plus. My daughter loved the water. I took her sort of in the shallow end, you know, and uh, she loved every second of it. You know, I got a tan, which was nice because now it looks like I'm in shape and I've been going to the gym for a really long time and you can't really tell that I eat Pop-Tarts for every meal. So that's that's pretty exciting. So for about the next, I'd say five more days, I'm going to look in phenomenal shape until I all go back to pasty white. And you can really see how skinny fat I am. <laughs> I um, really funny. So every time I go to the ocean, like my mom will always say, "Don't get caught in a riptide. You're not a strong swimmer." And my mom constantly makes fun of me for not being a good swimmer, and so does my wife. Like my wife will make fun of me for not being a good swimmer, and I blame my mom for this because. Right, I'm 36, so being born in 1983, it's like the 80s were a different time, dude. And like when my mom taught me to swim, like I'm an okay swimmer, right? Like I'm not saving anyone's life, you know what I mean? If the riptide comes, I'm under. And uh, dude, my mom is straight up paranoid that I'm going to get caught under a riptide. And she's also surprised that I get on an airplane because my mom, <laughs> how she was born in 1916 she's still not been on an airplane in her whole entire life and she won't do it but like when I was a kid like to learn to swim like my mom threw me in the deep end and I would say up until I was probably like 25 I had a legitimate phobia of water but like in the neighborhoods I grew up in we only had four foot above ground pools we weren't fancy people, you know, we went to Walmart and bought one of those easy set pools where you fill up the ring with air and then just fill it up with water. Like that to us was lavish. Like we got an above ground pool and a 24 pack of Miller High Life. And that to me is heaven. You know what I mean? So like I don't swim in anything below four feet and the ocean's a little weird because you don't know what's in there, you know, and you hear a shark attacks and it's sort of just like, man, if I lose a leg maybe my life doesn't change that much. I really don't know. Um, but I'm alive, which is cool. But yeah, man, that was, yeah, I was terrified of water for years. I mean, terrified of poltergeist and water because my mom just threw me in. You, you, These things are crazy, but I'm alive, dude. I am a good swimmer, no matter how much my mom and my wife, they're such assholes, make fun of me. Um, but so anyway, three minutes on the podcast, right? I've said nothing. But we're back, dude. The baseball season is just super interesting. The Cardinals are finally back to playing baseball. They didn't play baseball for three weeks and then proceeded to be the beat the upstart White Sox in a doubleheader, <laughs> which was so wild. Like, how does that happen? But Adam Wainwright pitched one of the games and just comes out of the gate, throws six innings of like two run ball. And that's probably the most Adam Wainwright thing you can do because he's like 37 or 38. And his arm is leather at this point, man. Like there are select pictures in Major League Baseball who just have like that rugged, gritty gene. And Adam Wainwright is one of them, dude. He threw, I think, a seven or eight inning performance last year on like 147 pitches. And I absolutely loved it, man. Anytime Major League Baseball sort of throws back like that gritty, nostalgic feeling, like I love for every, I love it, man. Like just, um, 
I want to say it was last night's game. The Dodgers went into extra innings against the Diamondbacks, I believe it was. And now with like extra innings to expedite the process, each team gets a runner on second base to start it. Now, what's been happening with these teams is that nobody, when they start the inning with a runner on second, nobody's stealing third. Because they say the data says don't steal third. Oh, the data says don't steal third. But like, to me, every part of logic says take the fucking base, right? So last night, Chris Taylor starts the inning, right? He's a Los Angeles Dodger. He starts the inning on second, and the batter is Max Muncy. He's the stud lefty, plays first baseman for the Dodgers. Damn good. What's so wild about Max Muncy is he was in the Oakland A system, and I think he was DFA'd because he just wasn't hitting anything. And then got to L.A., sort of revamped his swing, and he's maybe, he's arguably the best hitting first baseman in Major League Baseball. Now, I don't think he's Freddie Freeman or anything. He's at least a top five, 100%. He's probably a better hitter than Anthony Rizzo, and I think we can all agree that Anthony Rizzo, offensively speaking, is a damn good first baseman. And so... Max Muncy's he's hitting, and I loved this moment, dude. So Max Muncy gets 0-2 on the count, right? So he's down 0-2, but there's still no outs in the inning, a runner on second. Max Muncy's down 0-2. Chris Taylor steals third on the next pitch. Steals third. And I finally was like, that was, I, I think during this whole extra inning runner on second situation, I think that's the first time that's happened. Someone finally took the base. And I was like, yes, that's what I like about this extra inning situation about putting a guy on because I think it can help to encourage a different type of gameplay, right? So I was like, he finally stole the base. And then I think on the next pitch, Max Muncy hit a ball deep to right field on the warning track, scored the run. And that was it, right? And the Dodgers, didn't, that, that wasn't a walk-off. So I think the Dodgers had to come in in the bottom of the inning. And the Dodgers, they won the game, man. And they scored a run just like that. Sack fly got him in. And I'm like, thank you. Like, that's what I love to see. Um, but so, but either way, the Cardinals are back to playing the Marlins. The Miami Marlins are oddly enough in first place, which led me to think the other day, was it in 2003 where the Marlins beat the Yankees in a World Series? And I'm like, will that really happen again? Like, that's the World Series I'm rooting for right now as a Marlins-Yankees World Series. Like, with this 60-game season, I just want to see the most backwards World Series champion. Like, do you know the Baltimore Orioles a few days ago just put an absolute beating on, I think it was the Nationals? No, it was the Phillies. They beat the shit out of the Phillies, and the Phillies are loaded in offense, pitching the whole night. And I'm like, dude, like the the Orioles aren't in, you know, leading their division, but like, dude, in 60 games, like they just have to get a hot streak and get into the playoffs. It's like anything can happen in baseball. Like if you're talking football or basketball, most of the games, the best team's going to win. But in baseball, dude, I mean, there's a lot of luck in baseball. If a pitcher's on, the Marlins have good pitchers. Right, they've got that uh, Yamamoto kid who can pitch good. They got Sandy Alcantara, who's a really good pitcher that they got from the Cardinals. Like, if the Marlins squeak in the postseason, you get 
a five game series plus maybe a couple games canceled for COVID where you can pitch your guys going like anything can happen. So the World Series I'm rooting for right now is the Marlins Yankees World Series and I want the Marlins to win. I think it'd be so funny. Dude, anytime the Marlins in 97 and 2003, I'm pretty sure the Marlins winning the World Series was a fucking shock. And dude, if it happened again and they beat the Yankees who like are loaded with like Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, who, not surprised, is out with a calf injury, right? And I'm just like, dude, what is these guys just getting hurt? Like, I, are they too muscle-bound? Like, are they too good a shape? Is that why they're getting hurt? I mean, maybe they should take after me. Maybe they should eat six Eggo waffles at midnight. I'm not injured. I'm doing pretty good. My calves feel great. <laughs> Let's go, dude. Uh, that would be great. But do you want to know what else is interesting, man? This has been a pretty big talk around baseball is the Astros and they're not playing very good baseball and like Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman and George Springer, none of those guys are hitting good at all. Wait, Alex Bregman's coming around though. He's batting like 264 at this point, but Jose Altuve who seemed to get a lot of the hate in the offseason because he hit the walk-off in game 6 of the ALCS last year to get to the World Series. People hated Altuve because he won the MVP award over Aaron Judge, and he hit this walk-off home run, and he's batting 164 right now, and it's really strange that he's just having an, an awful season, a historically bad season for him. Like He's having a season worse like he's never had before, really. And so a lot of the talk around baseball is, oh, well, they're stealing signs and they don't know what's coming. Like Oral Hershiser's talking shit online. Dave Stewart, smoke, right? Old pitcher for the uh, Oakland Athletics. He straight up on air was like, oh, cheaters. It was Ramon Laureano, right? So last week, Ramon Laureano gets in a fight with the whole Astros team, mainly a guy named Alex Centron, who's a hitting coach for the Astros. Now with charging the mound and, you know, fighting and stuff, Major League Baseball is like hardcore. Like you can't do that. Like we're playing baseball during a pandemic. Like people are dying. So just don't do it because the more you get sick, games are going to literally get canceled. So they, before the game, I think there were some jokes made because Ramon Laureano was originally in the Astros system. And Dave Stewart made a comment on air on live TV that was like, um, yep, Somehow we got Ramon Laureano for, um, you know, cheap from the Houston Astros. So thanks again, cheaters. And he just straight up called them cheaters online. And that's one of the wild things. Like nobody's letting up on the Astros. And what happened with the fight is so Ramon Laureano gets hit by a pitch like twice in a game. And he walks down to first. And Alex Cintron is chirping him from the dugout hardcore. And then all of a sudden, Ramon Laureano loses his mind, and he's like, let's fight. And apparently, post-game, Ramon was like, he said something about my mom, so I had to fight him. And I'm like, you absolutely have to fight him. If anyone says anything about your mom, you have to fight him. I remember being in junior high, and one of the coolest things to do was, like, tell yo mama jokes. And it was just the best. Like, I, yeah, dude. Like, there was one that was like, yo mama's so fat, she wore an X jacket and a helicopter land on her. Like, I don't even know what an X jacket is, just a jacket with an X on the back. But it's funny stuff nonetheless. So if someone says something about your mom, like, you got to fight him 100%. So that's what happened. And then I think I think he's going to get suspended for like five games or something like that. I'm not too sure. 
But um, yeah, wild stuff. Baseball's just going crazy. I, I mean, I guess the Cubs look decent. The Yankees look good. Zach Greinke looks phenomenal right now. He's pitching really good. He's really the only bright spot, I think, for the Houston Astros. Um, yeah, you know, that's 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 what's going on right now. But holy crap. Hold on. I got to change the subject right now. I've got, like, a big story that I didn't know was an actual real thing. Did you know that when Ted Williams died... He had his head cut off and preserved in liquid nitrogen in hopes that future technology would bring him back from the dead. What? Like, that's not a joke. That shit really happened. And as we sit here and talk, his head is in a jar in Scottsdale, Arizona. Of course, it's Scottsdale, Arizona. It's this place that preserves bodies and they here's the thing like they don't have dead people in their area they call them in between stage people they're not dead and they're not alive I'm like holy shit this is a this is some scottsdale stuff right here and like it there's a little bit of controversy behind it because apparently ted williams had a will that said he wanted to be cremated and have his ashes spread out but i guess at the last minute there was like a sign note that said he wanted to be frozen and have his head cut off and it was signed by him his son and his daughter which is really weird because like ted williams lived to be like in his 80s i'm pretty sure and i don't know how you bring that up to your 80 year old dad you know what i mean like my dad doesn't really trust technology at all he has a flip phone and he won't get an iphone because that's how they get you <laughs> they track you on your phone i don't know who they is but like my dad does not trust technology so if you're the child of ted williams like how does this conversation go like like hey dad like i know we talked about headstones and we looked at a couple urns but we were thinking about maybe cutting your head off and freezing it. How's that sound? Like, what the fuck? Like, you, what was Ted just like, okay, like, maybe maybe it sounds like a good idea. Because, listen, I get it. Like, Ted Williams, he's a pretty, like, take-charge guy. Like, the year he batted 406, last game of the season, he could have just rode the bench and batted 400. But he played the whole game, went, like, 4 for 6, and actually raised his batting average. So, Ted Williams is sort of an all-or-nothing guy. Right, but this isn't pet cemetery. You just can't bury someone and have them come back to life. And like it, it, it's so so wild that his he just like, his head's cut off. Like I like I don't I don't know what it's so shocking to me. Like I don't know what to say about it, other than like, well, for one, if the technology somehow comes back. Like, where the fuck are you going to get a body at? <laughs> you can't just go to Walmart and buy a body. Like, someone's, you're going to have to kill someone and take their body. Like, I just don't know. Because you just have to find a ready and willing participant who's going to die that's going to be willing to give up their body and put it on Ted Williams' head. Like, I guess hypothetically, like, how does that work? Like, if I died, could they put Ted Williams' head on my body and it would sort of, like, be both of us? You know what I mean? Like, I don't really know. It's sort of strange here. Uh, or maybe, like, he becomes a robot, which would be, like, super cool, like, on short circuit or something like that. But then 
if you've ever watched Pet Cemetery, like they never come back the same. They come back and they're mean, man. And like you got Ted Williams, who's, you know, died in like 1998 or 2000. He's been dead for 20, 30, 40 years. And what if he doesn't come back for like 100 years from now? And all of a sudden he comes back like fucking Brendan Fraser on Encino, man. <laughs> you never watch the movie Encino, man. Bro, or Brendan Fraser was like a frozen caveman, and he comes back, and he's like wheezing the juice. And, dude, wheezing the juice is where you go into a gas station, and you just put your mouth underneath the fountain drink and just jam it and drink it all. It's the best movie ever. And, like, but listen, this Ted Williams thing, dude, it gets dark, like real dark. There are rumors. Listen, a guy wrote a book that used to work at this Scottsdale, Arizona facility, and he said some crazy stuff. He said that Ted Williams' head was mishandled. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, mishandled? Like, what is this, like a nanny watching an infant? Is this like a a food health code rating at Pizza Hut? Like, what do you mean it was mishandled? Like, it's a head, not a head of lettuce, right? But the situation apparently was this guy that wrote this book said that there was a cat that lived in the lab, which... Well, that's strike one, really, because cats poop inside. So if this is like some sort of heavy, like medical bring people back from the dead facility, like what do you do? Just be like, hey, did anyone feed the cat today? Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to just got to cut off four heads and then I'll put some food in its bowl. Like, dude, like, what in the world, man? And he said that they would feed the cat cans of tuna, like star-kissed tuna fish and the empty tuna cans they would use as a pedestal and set the heads on the pedestal. Like, what world are we living in right now? Like, so it's just like, yeah, we need somewhere to like put these heads. Like, did you not figure that out? Like before you cut the head off or did you just cut the head off and say, fuck, now what do we do with the head? Oh, I got an idea. Let's just use these empty tuna cans that we fed the cat on and put the the head on the tuna lid as a pedestal and then put it in the nitrogen. And the guy that wrote the book said that this happened. And he also said that a can of tuna got stuck on Ted Williams' head, that they were going to move it from one canister of liquid nitrogen, which stores the head at negative 365 degrees. I don't know if this is going to work, man. And <laughs> they were going to move it to a different pedestal. And what happened was the tuna can, the tuna can got stuck on the head, right? So what do you do when a can of tuna gets stuck on a dead person's head that you cut off their body? Naturally, you grab a monkey wrench and start beating the shit out of it. And that's what this guy did. And apparently he had a monkey wrench and he was hitting the tuna can. He bashed the skull. The tuna can finally came off. And so now apparently like Ted Williams head's like fractured at this point and the 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 people in Arizona they're like no this is all fake news man like none of this is true but I mean this seems like a shady operation right here like and apparently too they were supposed to freeze Ted Williams whole body but they got the order wrong sort of like when you go to McDonald's and you ask for Big Mac sauce on your quarter pounder and they forget it they cut his head off on accident and had it like halfway cut off. 
And I guess the supervisor of cutting heads off comes in and says, no shit, we're supposed to freeze his whole body. Don't cut the head off. But they had already committed to it. So they pretty much had to do it. So now when the technology gets there, they got to find Ted Williams a body. Listen, will Ted Williams come back and hit 406? I don't know. <laughs> Could it happen? Will the next guy to bat 400 be Ted Williams again? Or will Charlie Blackman do it this year? Which I sort of have beef with. Listen, I'll get to that in a second. But this is, I just don't even know what to say, man. Like, And apparently, this, dude, this gets even crazy. When the guy with the monkey wrench hit the head, he was trying to hit the can of, tur the can of tuna off the head. He missed, and he hit his head. And there are some qu very disturbing quotes from this book, right? One of the quotes about the monkey wrench says that the worker grabbed the monkey wrench, heaved a mighty swing, missed the tuna can completely, and hit the head of Ted Williams dead center, and tiny pieces of frozen head sprayed around the room. What? Pieces of frozen head? And it also said that people were taking pictures, like taking selfies with Ted Williams' head, his frozen head. And but also, like, the guy that wrote the book was like, he said that Ted Williams' disembodied face was a frozen screen. Scream. It was locked in a frozen scream that didn't look like Ted Williams at all. Okay. So you mean to tell me that a decapitated Ted Williams had stored in liquid nitrogen doesn't look like Ted Williams anymore? I would imagine it probably doesn't. But what's interesting, man, and this is some deep state stuff— that there are samples of Ted Williams' DNA that are missing from the facility. Someone out there is trying to clone another Ted Williams. I'm telling you, man, this is some serious, serious stuff right now. And everything that I've read, it's not a joke. This is 100% true. I'm not high, and I'm not drunk. Ted Williams really froze his head. And... You know, I respect it, man. He's an all-or-nothing guy. We know that. Last game of the year, he bats 406. He could have easily went 0 for 6 and batted under 400. But he did it because he's a man. And how crazy is it really to get your head cut off? Like, I don't know what the future holds. What if I could come back as like a minotaur, right? Is that where like your head's on a horse's body? Like, that would be pretty cool. Or maybe if they start doing dinosaur DNA, like on Jurassic Park, I could be like a Triceratops, but like with my head on it, right? These things could get really wild. I could be an eagle. I don't really know, man. I would like to fly. It could be great. So is Ted Williams really that crazy? <laughs> Probably, 100%. Okay, so there's the uh, a lot of conversation about there being another 400 hitter. The first 400 hitter since Ted Williams could happen this year. Those are headlines out there on the internet. People on Twitter are talking about it. Is this the year someone will finally hit 400? And there are real-life serious articles that are talking about guys like Charlie Blackman and DJ LeMahieu being the first guy to bat 400 since Ted Williams. Listen, is this real or am I the only one that believes that that holds no water whatsoever. Like, that's not even logical. Like, if anyone bats 400 this year, it, 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 it's not batting 400 over a season. Like, 
you can't play 60 games and qualify for a batting title. So how could 400 make mean anything? Like, I get it. Like, the last guy to bat 400 through 60 games was Chipper Jones, and I think that was in 2008, right? Like, that's a that's a pretty rad feat. So, like, if Charlie Blackman or DJ LeMayhew bat 400 this season, that's all it is is, like, a really cool feat. Like, it's not batting it. For a whole season, somebody on Twitter was even like, well, it's just like Roger Maris's record. Roger Maris, he hit 61 home runs over 162 games, and hey, that's still a record. I'm like, yeah, that was a full season. Like, And granted, like that was the year that it was extended, so think what you want, that Babe Ruth hit his 60 home runs like, in 150 games. But like, people are legit on MLB.com writing serious articles about Charlie Blackman being the next guy to bat 400 like he's Tony Gwynn in 1994. And it's just not the case. If him or DJ LeMayhew bat 400, yeah, batting 400 over 60 games is a pretty cool feat. But don't put that in the same sentence as Ted Williams. It is not the same at all. I don't care how much crank Ted Williams was on. It just, it like it's impressive, but you can't say that Charlie Blackman or DJ LeMahieu are like going to be the next guys to bat 400 for a season. This isn't a season. It's not a full season. It's not even a half season. It's close to do a, a third of a season at this point. So like, here's the thing: like, would it be cool to see those guys bat? I mean, it's cool to see guys with high batting averages anyway. Like, I love it. Like, it makes me think of watching Sports Center in 1994. And waking up every morning and seeing where Tony Gwynn's at. I get it. So I don't mean disrespect to any of those guys. I just think it's crazy that people are talking like this is a thing. And this will count as batting 400 in a season. Which it will not. Absolutely not count like that. I don't get it. It's really weird. So there's no way it should. There's no way it counts as a season total. Like it just doesn't. But I'll tell you what. Still with this 60 game season. Man I'm really interested to see how the playoffs unfold and how the World Series champion is looked at, you know, because you got to figure, like, if the Yankees win it, I would imagine a ton of Yankees haters would say, oh, this is the only way this Yankees team could win a World Series is in a shortened season, right? Because if the Yankees won it this year, then didn't win another one again with their core, they would just be looked at as like, oh, this is just the only way you want it, right? Or if a team like, the Oakland Athletics wins it or something like that. You know, they only win it because the Astros got off to a slow start. But listen, what if the Astros won it? There's part of me that wants the Astros to win the World Series because nobody does. Right? Such a weird thing, dude. But speaking of the Astros, dude, listen to this. So Zach Greinke's pitching like three or four nights ago, and Martin Maldonado's catching, and they're playing, I think, the San Francisco Giants. And it's somewhere around maybe the fifth or sixth inning. I'm not too sure. Now, Zach Greinke, dude, he's one of the funniest. Him and Andrew McCutcheon are probably the funniest Major League Baseball players in the whole league, right? So this is what happened. Zach Greinke, he's ta- he's, him and Martin Maldonado are going through the signals. They can't agree on anything. They're 100% crossed up, right? So at this point, Zach Greinke flashes... Two fingers from the mound. Two. Throws number two. Basically, like, here's what I'm going to throw. And throws the signal up. Zach Cranky does from the pitcher's mound for everyone in the stadium to see. 
with a guy on second. And post-game, he was like, listen, I don't like to waste time when there's a guy on second base. Like, he's being considerate because the guy's having to stand there for a long time. So he just looks at Martin Maldonado and goes, I'm throwing two, and then throws the ball, which was so wild. And listen, I have an audio clip, too. Later, like in a different at-bat, him and Martin were crossed up again, and Zach Granke is yelling signals from the pitcher's mound. Listen to this. This is wild. Here, let me find the link real quick. It'll just take a second. And what's even wilder is Granke's just getting these guys out. Listen, I think I have the volume loud enough. This is Zach Granke yelling signs from the pitcher's mound to his catcher, Martin Maldonado, mid-game. Here it is. Yeah, and he got him to legit pop out, Brandon Crawford to pop out, who's a World Series champion. So that's not like some sort of slacker, like rookie at the dish, you know what I mean? And dude, like this is just like the Zach Granke thing. Like if you hate the Astros, you can't help but to love Zach Granke. Like this is so legit. Like I, I can't believe it. Just calling his signs from the mouth. Like I, like you can find the video on Twitter where he just literally flashes two to the to the catchers. Like I'm gonna throw two, and then throws it and gets the guy to swing through it and strikes him out. Then on this particular bat, it was Brandon Crawford, and he got Brandon Crawford to pop out. But the guy he did the signal to, where the hitter could see it and everything, he just. Got him to swing through it. I was like, dude, like, that's what I love about Zach Granke. Like, and Zach Granke, dude, all jokes aside, he's a phenomenal pitcher. He's, he'll be 37 in October. And right now, I mean, I, I think maybe he's only won one decision, but he's got four starts under his belt. He's throwing to like a, a low two ERA, like a 2.3 ERA or something like that. And was very successful last season in the postseason and in the regular season for the Astros. This is just like a good dude. And Zach Granke, like at this point, like is very likely to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's running over 70 war right now. He's got five gold gloves. He's a hell of a defender. And even I think it might have been at the beginning of last season with the Diamondbacks, he was taking grounders at shortstop. Because he wanted to play shortstop if they ever needed him. This guy is a phenomenal athlete. Five gold gloves, can play shortstop. He hit three home runs in a season, I think. He hit three home runs in a season with the Diamondbacks. He hit a home run off Clayton Kershaw that was 105 miles an hour. Clayton Kershaw, probably the best regular season pitcher of our generation, dude. And, like, listen, everybody talks about you, Darvish, having all these pitches. Zach Cranky at any given time, can throw up to seven pitches. And including right now, which is so wild, dude. Right now, Zach Granke is living on a sinker. So apparently, he had a sinker that he stopped throwing like in 2014. And now, six years later, he's picking up the sinker again. And then he also, I think he's the only pitcher in Major League Baseball 
that throws a true EFIS pitch, which is just a junk slow ball that runs like 60 miles an hour. And it's so funny to watch him throw it to guys because they'll just like swing out of their shoes and miss it. And I love it, dude. And check this out. This is one of the best Zach Granke stories ever. So he won the Cy Young in 2009 with the Kansas City Royals. But in an interview like a couple of years ago, he told a reporter, he said, the only award that I've ever kept is, and now you're thinking, well, his Cy Young that he won in 2009. No, he said the only award in my life that I've ever kept is a samurai sword that Mizuno gave me when I won the Cy Young. So when he won the Cy Young, he threw his actual Cy Young award out, didn't want it, but kept the samurai sword that Mizuno gave him. Like, who is Zach Granke? Dwight Schrute? <laughs> like, they just gave him a samurai sword. And how did Mizuno know to give Zach a samurai sword? But if you think about it, you gotta know that Zach would probably love a samurai sword. And then also, dude, there's so many quotes, right? The Ch Have you heard the Chipotle quote of Zach Granke? Listen, if you haven't, here's what it is. So apparently, Zach Granke's a minority owner of a Chipotle franchise, which is pretty badass when you're a multi-millionaire athlete because I could see myself like owning a Chick-fil-A just so I could get Chick-fil-A on Sunday and every day of the damn week, right? And I would also probably franchise a Pizza Hut and bring back like the Bigfoot. <laughs> no way. I would for sure do it. And he goes on this rant because Chipotle, they raised the price of their 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 uh their guac sauce let me see if i can actually let me see if there's audio of this quote real quick there could be no okay i look for the quote and i can't find it but here's what he said about chipotle because he was unhappy that the guacamole got raised in price and he goes i like the guacamole now i don't really love the guacamole so i get it when i feel like it they changed their guacamole from a buck 50 to a buck 80 i mean a buck 50 is pretty darn high so they change it to a buck 80 and I'll never again get guacamole. It's not about the guacamole itself. I just don't want to let them win. Like, dude, that's a competitive guy right there, man. It's principle, dude. Principle He's like, nope, I'm not paying 30 extra cents for the guac. Not going to do it, man. And then check this out. Another good, I could go on about Zach Granke's stories. Dude, this guy is the man. And I always like to point out a lot. Like, I talk a lot of old baseball on here, but I always like to point out current players because baseball doesn't market their players for shit. And if and plus there's so many teams and baseball is such a regional sport. I feel like if there are good guys out there to watch, I like to mention them because I like to find them myself, you know? So once I read these things on Zach Granke and like obviously when he's calling his signs the other day, I'm like, well, I need to watch more Zach Granke, right? And listen, so when he was he came up with the Royals, right? He was a first rounder with the Royals. I think it was like a sixth overall pick, right? And he hit his first home run in only his fourth major league at bat. And Alex Gordon is, I think, still a Royal, but he was slumping at the time. So Zach was like, hey, let me help you. Let's go watch some videos. So Zach Granke takes Alex Gordon to the video room and makes him watch the home run that he just hit like over and over again and simply tells Alex Gordon, just do more of that. <laughs> Like a fun guy, dude. But listen, outside of just the fun stuff, career-wise, dude, like, he's good. Like, over the past, since he's left, 
So this is his 16th season in the league. And since he's left Kansas City, which may have been in 2010, because I think he went to can- from Kansas City to the Milwaukee Brewers. And I think he pitched for the Brewers in 2011. Had a pretty damn good season, I think, with Milwaukee. His fastball velocity has dropped at least nine miles an hour. And it doesn't really matter because he's finding a way to get the job done. And it's like, he's like I said, over his course of his career, he's thrown like seven pitches. And right now, he's getting success off a pitch that he hasn't thrown in six years. And it's like you're getting a guy that is reinventing himself like every single season, right? Like I think one of the guys that's talked about the most in Major League Baseball is Kyle Hendricks. You know, people make the comparisons to Greg Maddox and this and that or the other. But you got Zach Granke over here mowing through hitters, and he has an average 90 on his fastball in at least three or four years, I bet. I don't don't think he averaged 90 when he was in Arizona, and he signed with Arizona in 2016. In 2016, he signed with Arizona. I got his baseball reference page up now. Um, He did pitch for Milwaukee in 2011. And had really just about an average season. Struck out a lot of guys, though. Um, But, like, he doesn't look like he's going to be, like, a 300-win guy. Like, he's got 206 wins right now. We're in a shortened season. If he pitched till he was 42, he might win 250 games, right? He's actually never won 20 games in a whole entire season. But he won the Cy Young in 2009. Had a crazy season in 2015. That was the year Jake Arrieta won the Cy Young. And only because Jake Arrieta won like 20-something decisions in a row. But that season that Arrieta won the Cy Young in 2015, Zach Greinke was 19-3. and Obviously had the best win-loss percentage. Started 32 games at 222 innings and had a 1.66 ERA. Like, I look back on this now and I'm like, I don't know how this guy didn't get the Cy Young. He had an ERA plus of 222, which means that a league average pitcher has a 100 ERA plus and sort of that's used to level the playing field based on the competition that you pitched against. So like if Zach Granke's in a harder division than say Jake Arrieta, this number sort of put in there to equalize it, right? And Zach Granke having a 222 ERA plus means that he is 122% better than your average pitcher. If you go to anyone's baseball reference page and you see seasons from like Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez, those are the types of guys that pitched to over a 200 ERA plus. And 222 was the best in the league that year. And somehow he still didn't win the Cy Young. And he had a .844 whip, which was the best in the league as well, right? Um, just crazy stuff. And then like he signs with Arizona in 2016, has an off year. Only those about 158 innings, 437 ERA. And then comes back the next two seasons in Arizona, those 200 innings with a low three ERA. Comes to Houston last year, throws to a 302 ERA. And right now he's got a 253 ERA, dude. Like, and I I think like it's with baseball, it's always fun for the nostalgic factor. And a lot of times, like, it's hard to truly appreciate pitchers until they're gone and they've been retired for a while. But a guy like Zach Granke is definitely going to be one of those guys. So I think it's important and fun to make it a point to watch Zach Granke when he pitches because this will definitely be a guy 10 years from now. We'll look back on him with nostalgia and we'll look at his EFIS pitches and his sinkers 
and his like demeanor and just be like, damn, this was a good guy to watch pitch. You know what I mean? And plus, listen, he's such a good hitter as well. I'm sort of pissed he's in the American League. And also, like, a lot of people are going to hate me for this, but because, like, Zach Granke hit two home runs in a game once when he was with the Diamondbacks. I think one was like 414 feet and the other was like 380 or 390. Both hit well over 100 miles an hour. And like, I think when something like that happens, it's so cool. And that makes me not want the DH in the National League because I think that like, when you have items like, when you have things like that that happen that aren't supposed to happen, I think it's just so damn fun, right? Um, so watch Zach Granke when you can. I think I might have a couple more Zach Granke quotes if you want me to run through a couple. Hold on. Let me scroll down. I might have some good ones here. Let's look. Oh, apparently Zach Granke has nine stolen bases for his career, and that's a high number for a pitcher too. I had never thought about pitcher stealing bases before. And I think, like, his nine stolen bases is the most since I think Greg Maddox stole six for a career. I'd like to find some footage on Mad Dog swiping bases. Um, listen, he had this quote one time about how much he loves baseball. Is that Grinky quote right here? <clears throat> I just want to be clear. I can't live without baseball. It's to the point where it caused problems with my girlfriend because she knows baseball is more important than her. I say, hey, I'm sorry. I love the game that much. You're not even close to being number one. That's how much I love baseball. I couldn't live without it. That's a phenomenal quote, dude. Like, what the heck? It is the best. He also has a quote about the future. I swear this is the last one I'll read. There will definitely be flying cars, but whether there'll be flying cars for most people to use, it'll probably take a long time to straighten everything out, all the rules and hassles. It'll take a while to figure out how to keep people from crashing into each other. <laughs> Dude, listen, flying cars, man, this guy's got it figured out. Flying cars, flying hoverboards, sort of just like the fifth element with Bruce Willis. He's right, though, man. Like, if you have flying cars, like, you have to figure out the roadways, like, I don't think we should have flying cars. I don't trust people to drive normal cars, let alone flying cars. Um, I'd like a motorcycle, though. Oh, maybe like a big go-kart. <laughs> That'd be pretty rad, dude. I still hold to the theory, not the theory, the goal, that I still want a DeLorean more than anything. If this podcast ever gets worth a shit and I make some money, the first thing I'm going to do is buy a DeLorean. This podcast doesn't make any money, man. All right, all right. More, let's get to another current baseball news segment. Minnesota Twins, they're playing really good baseball. The offense is taking up where it's left off. They are a dangerous team. They've got a pitcher on their team named Randy Dobnak. Now, you've probably heard of old Randy from last season. He came up from um, single A, double A, triple A, came up to the league. So in 2019, he started in single A. He ended the season pitching in the postseason against the New York Yankees, to which he took the loss, right? Randy Dobnek, this time last year, had just completed driving Ubers and Lyfts. That's what he was doing. This is a guy, he didn't get drafted. So he graduated in 2017. He was in the 2017 MLB draft. Nobody drafted him. So he goes to like an independent league in Utica, just like on The Office, and he plays for a team called the Unica Unicorns, which is even crazier. So Randy Dobnak has a handlebar mustache, which is phenomenal. He currently leads Major League Baseball in earned run average. He's got four wins, and he's got a hell of a sinker. Wait, what are his pitches again? Hold on, I wrote it. Yeah, he's got it. Dude, 
Let me get into the hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me get into who this guy is. I mean, he's got a handlebar mustache. He a year and a half ago he was driving for Uber and Lyft, right? And now all of a sudden he's basically the ace for the Minnesota Twins. He's only in fifty-three and two-thirds career innings. He's only allowed three home runs. And two of them were in today's game, just sort of on accident. And he still got the win today. Listen, this Randy Dobnak, dude, phenomenal story, man. Because if you think about it, you got a guy in 2017 that doesn't get drafted, has to go play for a, an independent team called the Unicorns. That's not a fake name. And has to drive Uber and Lyft to make money because minor leaguers don't make anything at all. The guy had a LinkedIn page that had his Lyft and Uber ride scores on him. Like, what in the world? But what's so interesting about Randy Dobnak is he's doing things right now that very few pitchers are able to do. He's a big contact guy. He has an absolute elite ground ball rate. He gets guys out with a very, very good sinker that his ground ball rate right now is the highest in Major League Baseball. I want to say it's like 68%. I actually didn't write that number down. Um, it's high. and But also, he's got a curveball that gets a lot of swings and misses. So you've got what Randy's doing right now since he came into the league, which would have been, I want to say, the first week of August of 2019, is he's putting up elite ground ball rates to get guys out but he has a really good swing and miss percentage on his curveball. And those are two things that don't really join up. You don't get a lot of guys that have swing and miss stuff and can get you out with a ground ball, which is really cool because he will like, hold on, I wrote a really interesting number down um, about how little of a fly ball he gets. Like on average per game, He'll allow like two fly balls over like I think a nine inning span or something like that. Just a ridiculously low amount of fly balls, which is what's keeping his home run total down so low. And if you, unless you've been living under a rock, home runs are at an all time high, which makes Randy Dobnak like a really special pitcher, to be honest with you, right? And when you look, listen, so I got this really good number off of fan graphs. There are, in the history of baseball, 39 qualified pitchers that have recorded a season with a ground ball rate higher than 50% and a whiff rate north of 10%, which Randy Dobnak has both since he's entered the league. Some of those 39 names, Clayton Kershaw, Noah Syndergaard, Steven Strasburg, Carlos Carrasco, Luis Severino, Sonny Gray, Hinjin Ryu, Carlos Martinez, when he was good, um... Patrick Corbin, Aaron Nola, Dallas Keuchel, like, dude, like, big-time pitchers right here, man. And he's just getting the job done on a Twins team that right now you just have to take them seriously. And it's fun to watch the guy pitch. He's got a great personality. He's got, like, the Horace Grant glasses on, which is so badass. He's just straight up out of the 80s, man. Like, he carries a stellar handlebar mustache. And, I mean, I wonder, you know, if that affected his Uber or Lyft ride scores, right? Because if your Uber driver's got, like, this crazy, you know, handlebar mustache, you might think you're about to be on an episode of Sons of Anarchy. I'm not really too sure. 
but he, he's a great guy, you know, and if you're going through games and, you know, you get the chance to watch a, a Twins game with Randy Dobnett pitching, I would say do it, man. He's got a really cool delivery. It's a simple delivery. It's sort of like if you ever watch Dave Steve pitch, sometimes he would, um, his arm release point would sort of be at the side some, and he would always seem to stand straight up more so than most pitchers, and that's sort of how Randy throws right now, man. So I like to watch him throw because, one, he reminds me of Dave Steve, who had a phenomenal mullet, too, and phenomenal mullet or phenomenal handlebar mustache. Like, which one is better? That's that's a hard decision, but, you know, they definitely they're getting the job done with the old-school stuff that they have. This is a guy that's really good. Like, his, he was 2019, right? He was in the minor leagues. He was arguably the best minor league pitcher in 2019, and here's the reason why. He was the only guy that threw at least 110 innings with a 55% ground ball rate and a 12% swinging strike rate, man. He was the only guy that did it. So and he so he doesn't walk a lot of guys. He throws a ton of strikes and he gets guys to ground out, which means he keeps a low pitch count, doesn't give up a lot of home runs. So as the season ramps up, if the Twins get to the postseason, this is going to be a guy that could have a really, really good postseason is Randy Dobnak. It's awesome. But one other thing I like about him is a lot of his... So a lot of these deep data numbers, when you get into like fielding independent pitching, that's a number that's supposed to predict how high your ERA should really be, right? So it takes luck out of the equation because sometimes a pitcher might just get lucky on like just some sort of weird fluke play. Like so his numbers are, are much higher than what he's doing right now. So he seems to be a guy to some extent who's defying who the data says that he should be, which sort of probably is one of the reasons why he went undrafted in 2017, and now he's just this really good pitcher, sort of like Tony Romo getting undrafted and then all of a sudden being a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Let's just hope that Randy doesn't throw a fourth-quarter interception. Hey, oh. <laughs> Last guy I'm going to mention who you should watch, the Oakland Athletics, and I don't have any notes on this guy, so I'll sort of just wing a lot of it, but Jesus Lazardo, the Oakland Athletics got a guy named Jesus Lazardo, and I watched part of his pitching performance last Sunday, but it was good. It was damn good. This guy, listen, if you want a taste of like old school, Jesus Lazardo's, Jesus Lazardo's pretty good at that. He's a fast worker, right? And anytime I watch a pitcher pitch, if they're fast workers, I love it, man. I feel like that gives the pitcher an advantage over the hitter. And I feel like you get more tension there because hitters don't really like to work fast. Most pitchers don't like to work fast. The game's sort of running slower than ever. And to see a pitcher go out there and buck that train and just pitch fast and with confidence, I love it. On top of that, Jesus Lizardo is really good at striking guys out on three pitches. A lot of pitchers these days will get 0-2 and then they'll just throw like a shit pitch, right? Show them something just like in the dirt, right? Jesus Lizardo doesn't do that. He's 0-2. He's got good off-speed put him out pitches and this guy paints the corners you know how those on the tv they've got the box that shows you the strike zone this guy is he puts that ball on that line so far outside that line where if it moved any further it would be a ball and he he's got damn good control and I think he also wears Horace Grant glasses too praise be to Horace Grant Jesus Cesardo's that guy um also, the uh, today the Cardinals played the White Sox again, 
And so they beat him twice yesterday. But when they played the White Sox today, poor guy, dude. The St. Louis Cardinals have like a rookie pitcher who I think made his major league debut today. And he gave up four home runs in a row to the Chicago White Sox. I think it was Yoan Moncada, Yasmani Grandal, Abreu, and Aloy Jimenez. Four home runs in a row. That's just sad, man. I think at that point, if I was the pitcher, that fifth guy comes up, I'm just going to put one in his hip, hands down. I did that in Little League once. I think I was like in fifth or sixth grade, and I hit like three guys in a row because I got pissed off, like true Doc Ellis fashion. And I didn't even know Doc Ellis did it. And I just hit, I had three guys in a row and the ump comes out and he's like, Hey man, like, are you okay? And I hit all three of them on purpose. Honestly, it felt good to hit guys on purpose. Like since like Nolan Ryan hit Robin Ventura, like seeing that growing up, like that shaped my life to where like, I I just started hitting guys because I thought like, that's sort of like how you had to pitch, right? You got to like maintain your part of the plate. But when you're like, I don't know, 12 years old, you don't really have that good of control. And I always knew like, well, if I don't hit someone in the head, then I'm pretty good. And sometimes you just got to put one in somebody, man. Who cares? That's it, guys. I'm going to wrap up the podcast. Listen, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Find us on Facebook, Greatest Show on Dirt. Find us on Instagram, Greatest Show on Dirt. And Twitter, Greatest on Dirt. And also, you can listen to the podcast now in a lot more places. So I figured out how to put it in other places. So if you go to greatest, is it greatest show on dirt? I don't know what my website is. Greatest on dirt. Greatestondirt.com is my website. If you go to greatestondirt.com slash listen, you can listen in various spots. But now we've got the podcast on like Pandora, iHeartRadio, Deezer. It's still on Spotify, still on Apple Play, still on Google. I feel like I added but it's in more places too so i don't know where you're listening to it at oh we're still on overcast fm as well and all that stuff here hold on i'll tell you right now yep no those are all the ones i named apple android spotify stitcher overcast tune in deezer and then now pandora too so that helps you get into more places so be it but than that say what's up to us on social media i'll get this bad boy uploaded and thanks for listening guys until next time we'll catch you later have a good week bye